0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoor Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Brian Sin. I'm joined today, uh, got a special co-host, Captain Wayne Miller in Mobile, Alabama. Captain Wayne, how you doing, man? Man, doing great, Brian. Good to hear from you. How are you? doing good man they, they got us uh you know you watch these weather forecasters and, and they got us jumping up here they got us a little jumpy uh watching the <laughs> hurricane right now you know most of the time when these hurricanes hit the coast you guys down there have to be nervous but uh as far inland as we are those things usually are moving so slow they they drastically uh lose power before they get here and we end end up with a little bit of rain and a whole lot of wind but Supposedly this thing's traveling fast enough where uh they think you're still gonna have some some pretty good winds by the when it gets here. We'll see.
1: Yeah, you know, it really does. It looks like this one is uh unlike the last few we've had, you know, that if as they typically do seem to to slow down and meander around a little bit at the last minute. This one's uh really uh intent on trucking on up the state. So uh you know, it looks like there's going to be some pretty good, you know, even though it's a narrow band, it looks like it's going to be some pretty good uh, rain associated with it and and wind. You know, from the standpoint of the impact on the fishery, you know, down here, we, you know, we really won't know, you know, until really right when it makes landfall, exactly how that wind will play out and and how much water will get, you know, the storm surge will get pushed up in the Mobile Bay. And that that's really what impacts, you know, the fishing more than even the local heavy rains is that storm surge. So um, uh, you know, we're hoping that in this particular uh hurricane that'll be minimized somewhat. And uh the fact that it's moving fast is also good. So um, you know, right now we're in the mode, man, we're just you know, our fishing's really been good, been picking up and we're just kind of crossing our fingers and hoping that um you know, we can come through this thing with a, you know, very minimal impact.
0: Yeah. Now, it's supposed to make landfall, what are they saying? I mean, what, six, seven, eight o'clock tonight, something like that, 6, 7 o'clock is what I think I saw last. I hadn't looked in the last little while, but where is that going to hit y'all as far as uh, high tide or low tide?
1: Well, you know, we're, we're actually uh, – we just – came off a real strong bull tide, and we're actually kind of on a dip tide cycle right now, so that's you know I'm actually yeah, we're in pretty good shape from a tide standpoint. you know that's good uh you know now we move into a real strong tide again next week, but uh you know right now we're we're pretty much you know the the tide's not playing a big factor associated with you know what the storms actually going to do.
0: I don't know what are they calling four four to six storm surge there, or, or have you heard yeah, you know, I've heard different reports, so
1: you know I mean it's um you know I'm hoping that it's it's minimized down to perhaps that two to four range
0: yeah, what does it take as far as a storm surge, what you've seen in history with past storms, what kind of storm surge do you have to have to push enough salt water up in that bay? that hurts your fishing, I mean, really damages your vegetation and and hurts your fish?
1: Well, you know, one thing that that we look at this time of year is obviously late summer into fall, the brackish water is already really predominant well up into the delta from the standpoint of what it takes to really push a lot more up. I mean, typically when we start seeing, you know, the six to ten foot storm surges, you know, one thing that comes into play on that, probably uh, historically, a couple of the worst effects we've ever had from hurricane wasn't necessarily from the the salt water, even though it will kill, you know, a lot of the aquatic vegetation. But if, if we have a lot of really high water pushed up in the creeks and the bays and we have a lot of wind and you have a lot of organic matter that ends up, you know, being leaves primarily ends up in that water and a lot of these bigger lakes what can happen is with the decomposition of all that organic matter uh, you have oxygen depletion and you you start seeing some major fish kills but that's typically associated with with systems that move you know a lot slower and uh, you know it just gives them more time with that south wind to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing all that water up in the delta
0: right right well i think we're fortunate on this one just the path is taken i know new orleans and, and you guys all across the coast of mississippi and alabama uh, if there's anything fortunate out of this storm is that it's this late in the year had this storm taken this same path a month ago we'd probably be looking at a whole different deal
1: yeah you know i mean the water temperature in the gulf would be a lot higher uh which is just you know i mean it's it's just, you know, giving that storm more energy a month and a half ago, it probably would have been a completely
0: different scenario. That's right. Well, I know that uh, a few weeks ago when we had you on, you were on cloud nine. I mean, it was, you know, uh, it was as good a report, I think, as you've given since since you've been calling into the show. And uh, y'all were wearing the fish out, so. You know, I know that it you know, it had cooled off and then it warmed back up and a lot of the other guys, like last week's show was uh was very disappointing as far as the week before was so good that everybody that goes, yeah. i and mean, last week everybody's like struggling. Uh I don't know if you <laughs> kind of mess things up a little bit, but what what are you dealing with down there? What are you seeing?
1: Well, actually, you know, our fishing has, you know, I mean, it it stayed really good. I mean, but, you know, I think one thing you have to keep in mind when you start looking at down here or even up in the state, really all over the country is just, you know, even though, you know, we want it to be just a phenomenal fall bite, typically, uh, you know, this time of year can be pretty tough because you have fish in transition right now. And, uh, you know, for us, and and we talked about that some the last time I was on the show. You know, we talked about these fish transitioning out of the rivers into these creeks and bays. Uh, You know, these creeks that they'll actually pretty much winter there, uh, you know, that are adjacent to these big bays. But we still have tremendous numbers of fish out in the main rivers. And that's really where I'm still targeting most of my really quality fish is out in the main rivers. Uh, but, you know, I, I really will see that probably change in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's a scenario where uh, you really have to, you can't go out there with a mindset that, okay, I'm going to go, you know, two feet of water with a spinnerbait and I'm going to whack them today. You know, you, you just can't, you have to be a lot more versatile than that and be open-minded because, Uh, A lot of scenarios will unfold here where you've got to scramble around and and try a bunch of different things. But the great thing is, man, when you do figure a little wrinkle out, uh, you can typically uh, go from one spot to another. And, you know, uh, if you've got the same vegetation or whatever it is, wood, whatever it is you found them on, you can duplicate that all over the delta
0: that's interesting and so it sounds like that you know right now it's just you're just finding that that pattern and, and once you find it and find fish on it it stays pretty true throughout the delta right now uh
1: one thing i was gonna mention too was you know for us from week to week it can vary tremendously because of what we mentioned a few minutes ago about the tide you know like last week man we just had a phenomenal bull tide it was extremely high first thing in the morning. And then, you know, it was just water really honking, I mean, all day long moving out. And so, you know, in the mornings, I would go and I would typically target areas down south where I had uh, water over vegetation, grass where I could power fish with chatter baits and spinner baits and buzz baits. Uh, areas that on normal water you typically can't even, you know, work a bait through. And then as the day progressed, you know, I would move up in the delta and, uh you know, transition to some of those areas with the water falling hard that those fish will pull back off to in the main rivers. So you know, there again, it it's uh you know, what you're doing first thing in the morning may be 180 degrees out from what you're doing at 11 o'clock.
0: Yeah. If that when that tide starts sucking out, everything changes, and um, yeah, it really um, does. I know you were saying last time too that that the the main thing the fish were feeding on right now was the shrimp, and um, yeah, I'm assuming that is that going to hold true pretty much? Does that hold true throughout the fall?
1: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, and and these fish, man, it's um, of course. It's not just bass, uh, you know, and a lot of people are always amazed that they've never fished on a coastal in a brackish fishery, you know, along a coastline. You know, a lot of people aren't even aware that bass eat shrimp, but uh, actually the entire food chain, uh, you know, I laugh, I tell people, you know, a uh, uh, shrimp has got to be just about the most sought after creature on the planet, man, because everything that walks crawls, swims, flies, does anything, is trying to find a shrimp to eat it. You know, I mean, uh, we have a lot of people that uh, actually catch these little seed shrimp, and they're phenomenal to use for uh, white perch and for brim. You know, so, I mean, everything in the food chain down here, including all the saltwater species, you know, I mean, they, this time of year, that's what they're looking for. They're eating shrimp just as fast as they can gobble.
0: Yeah, those shrimp don't have a, I, I don't know how there's enough of them left to eat. They must just reap, they <laughs> prolific because they are at the bottom of the food chain. Every Oh, no,
1: they are, man. Burgers, aren't they? Yeah, it really is. It, and, and you know, this past week, it was amusing because uh, one of the local boat launches right there by my house, uh, you know, I was going down launching, and uh, a couple of the guys that are down there every morning, you know, we were just laughing watching. There were actually shrimp up in the pocket there where the boat launch is, and they were jumping, trying to get away from bass, and some of them would actually jump up on the dock. And uh, we'd walk down there and kick them back in the water and put them back in the game. It's really fun this time of year to watch that uh, play out all over the delta.
0: Well, what would be fun, too, is just the fact that, you know, like you're bass fishing, but you're probably catching a whole lot of different species at times, too. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you never know what yeah. you can catch half the time.
1: Well, I pulled up to a big creek mouth on the river yesterday. And bear in mind now, we had a nip tide. But I pulled up on it with a crankbait, and I caught bass. I caught three redfish. I caught a striped bass. You know, just in one one little pocket. That I mean, it, you know, and all those fish were right there together.
0: Wow, that'd be fun. That's a different deal than than anywhere else in the, in the state. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, now, it really is. Is there baits that you're you know you're using a chatter bait or you're using a spinner bait? I mean, is that? I'm assuming that's not mimicking a shrimp. I mean, that's still mimicking. No. Bait or do you is there a bait that you use i guess my question is is there a bait that you use that mimics a shrimp that you actually yeah you know with a good bit
1: yeah there's actually uh two that are really close to being realistic from the standpoint of looking just like a shrimp one of them is an age-old bait it's called a doa uh it's a company based out of florida they make um you know the most popular size is a 3 inch it's a quarter ounce bait with just a open hook on it uh but they make it in a myriad of colors and it's fantastic for for bass for uh redfish speckled trout guys use it a lot a ton of people use it under a popping cork but uh you know you can use it in a in a lot of different techniques you know for all game fish down here You know, that's one of probably the most popular artificial bait that mimics a shrimp. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of other ones, but, you know, the DOA is probably my favorite. The key this time of year, though, you know, unless the fish are actually up chasing shrimp on top, you know, and and I I utilize those shrimp imitation baits a lot, but I don't ever um, really get away from just power fishing with, you know, like you were talking about spinner baits and chatter baits, because you know those fish are they got to the fall feed on right now. So I mean they're all about, you know, eating. So it's um, yeah, we don't we don't abandon you know normal you know bass tackle, uh, even though the the predominant forage is shrimp.
0: Well, and that's what I was. Sitting here trying to trying to think about and play out in our mind, you know, you're you're in the boat. You've got your your rods. One's got a crank bait. One's got a chatter bait. Another's got a spinner bait. And then you've got this imitation shrimp bait on one. What point do you pick that up and throw it? I mean, is it when you see them schooling on top, shrimp on top? Yeah, yeah. That. You know, Can you grab that bait.
1: Yeah. Typically, what I do is when I see them working, actively working shrimp you know and i see that because the only defense mechanism a shrimp's got is to come to the surface and jump so it's pretty obvious when the fish get into a big wad of shrimp you know you'll see them they'll be all over the place jumping so and those are fish that are really aggressive they're up in the water column so you know you can take that doa or or the other one is a voodoo uh, and that's a real popular um, imitation shrimp. But you can take those and just cast it with a, a bait caster and, you know, twist it across the top. Uh, right when you get it around some fish, just let it fall, and you'll just see your line tick. I mean, it's if you keep it wet, and when you have those conditions, if you get that DOA or that voodoo wet, it's going to catch fish. There's really no wrong way to, to fish it so you know that's typically what i'm doing but um you know a lot of times you don't have that scenario you know even though they're shrimp in the area they're not actively feeding on them so you know i mean we we use just a typical technique that you would see bass fishermen use all over the state
0: yeah and then you just have that in your back pocket when you need it
1: yeah you know and you know down here you know it it's really amazing because uh, you know, I fish all over the the country, really, and primarily, you know, mostly in the southeast. But you know, this is not unlike anywhere else. I mean, I always have a rod on my deck, you know, with a um, with an eighth ounce weight and a June Bug Zoom Trick Worm on it. You know, just a little finesse bait that, when things get tough, you can always pick it up. It doesn't matter if I'm here at Lake Jordan at Gunnersville. Uh, anywhere i fish you know it's not like we abandon other techniques just because we live down here and fish brackish water uh, but it, it is really is unique and that that we do have some specialty baits that are just absolutely phenomenal and our typical catch is hardly ever not a mixed bag i mean it's hard to go out Right now, and spend a uh, half a day on the Delta throwing bass tackle, and not catch a few redfish and a few speckled
0: trout. That'd be fun, man. That's great stuff. I, that keeps it exciting, for sure. And and right now, I mean, you know, obviously we got a storm approaching, and, and I'm sure it's going to be jacked up for maybe a couple of days here. Hopefully that's all. Hopefully we won't get a storm surge there, and and you won't have to won't have to worry about that side of it. I mean, right now,
1: y'all. I mean, you're catching a lot of fish right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really, it's really been good. And uh, like I say, I'm hoping that you know we'll have minimal minimal impact from this storm. And but we move into a good tide cycle next week, and that's one thing. Even if we, even if we have a lot of local heavy rain, and we also get a storm surge, and that really stirs that lower end of the delta up. The great thing about Mother Nature has a way of just filtering everything out, and, and that tidal, you know, a real strong tide over the course of a complete week uh, really helps clean things up a lot. Absolutely. I mean, we're
0: going to keep our fingers crossed that you don't get a big storm surge down there, and, and it doesn't mess things up even for a little while. Surely not enough to uh, hopefully – Kill a lot of the vegetation and, and, and have possible turnover, like you're talking about. That's always a scary deal. But the good thing is, it's fall. It's in the Mobile Delta. I know this is your favorite time of the year down there, and that's a lot of fish. So if somebody wants to come down there, take advantage of what you guys got. How do they need to get up with
1: you? Uh, they can reach me at 251 455 7404. But I would do just to encourage people if you want to call and you know, book a trip, uh, you know, just not to call me until maybe after five o'clock because, uh, you know, I get a lot of calls in the morning, but I'm, I'm on the water and I typically don't answer the telephone when I'm out on the water.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're fishing. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> That's right, man. Well, man, uh, we appreciate that report. And hey, look, I'm going to get you to stay on here and, and, and help me co host this thing today. So I appreciate that. Man, we're gonna stay on the coast for a little bit, and for segment two, we're gonna go to Blakely Ellis, the executive director of the CCA of Alabama. Blakely, how are you, man?
2: Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. Looking forward to hearing all about you and and the work that you guys are doing down there. So, first of all, man, stay safe here over the next couple of hours. It may get a little. You're, you're in Mobile, right? I'm in Orange Beach. Yeah, that's even worse. Well, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, stay safe the next few hours and and hopefully, hopefully this thing will blow through there and and you guys won't have to deal with a whole lot.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. And we we certainly will.
0: (laughs) What are they calling for there at Orange Beach right now? Kind of what are they predicting?
2: Pretty decent uh, storm surge. It looked like uh, maybe like between three and five feet from Mobile Bay to, to, you know, to Perdido Key and into to Pensacola. But, you know, hopefully it's nothing like we saw a couple weeks ago with S- Sally. Cause she, she rocked us pretty good.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely, she did. And man, stay safe down there on this deal. And let's talk about what you guys are doing, Blakely. And, and so tell yeah. us about the CCA. Uh, I know that's the Coastal Con- Conservation Association. So yep. kind of tell us about the association, your involvement, how you got involved, and, and
2: man, some of the stuff sure. that
0: you guys have going on down there.
2: Yeah. So CCA, easiest way to explain it to folks is we're, we're kind of like the Ducks Unlimited and the Wild Turkey Federation for Recreational Anglers in Saltwater. So we, we deal with, um, you know, everything from, you know, habitat uh, projects and issues to, uh you know un- unfortunately we we have to get into regulatory uh battles to uh you know when you when you're going up against commercial fishing um there, there's a whole other user group that we have to uh you know contend with and then you know there's a lot of other stuff that we uh we get involved with like the fish hatchery down here in gulf shores we've been really involved in helping helping them get that program going to help out some of the species that were showing a little bit of struggle such as Southern flounder. And and that's been like our poster child fish, if you will, because we've really poured a lot of our resources into uh, that specific fish and some very specific equipment that they needed at the hatchery down there uh, in order to successfully spawn those fish. Because it's kind of funny because, you know, most fish that they work with need, you know, like a round tank. They're perfectly happy swimming in a circle like pompano or redfish but flounder they want a square tank they want surface area on the bottom of the tank they don't really care so much about you know how deep it is or if it's round and so we had to uh, come in and and purchase a lot of specialized equipment but uh the good news is that they were successful uh this past year in having the first uh uh, southern flounder spawn and we're looking forward to seeing uh the results again come come january when they make another run at that
0: that's awesome man well when you're looking at something like the the silver flounder, and you're trying you've got a species like that that you're introducing more fish and trying to help the the population out, you know when we think about a lake or a pond, you know a lot of times when we think of stocking, we're thinking of stocking a a three acre or a five acre or a twenty or thirty acre mm-hmm. well we talking about the ocean
2: <laughs> yeah. I would think that
0: those numbers would have to be. Giant.
2: Yeah, you know, and it, so that's usually one of the first questions people will ask is, how big are they when they they're released, and how many do you think will make it to X size or X Y Z? And really, it all boils down to formulas that they work out, and it's based off of the cost per fish because it, you know, at a certain point, it costs more to keep them fed and keep them, you know, in the facility in order to get them to grow extra percentage than it would be to let them go at a, at a smaller size and, but have more of them out there um, and to know that you're going to lose some to predation, um, this and that. But I think for flounder, the goal is going to be probably 55,000 fingerlings uh, released per year is, is going to be what they're, they're going to be shooting for. And th- those fish are about the size of a quarter, maybe a little bit bigger than a quarter. Uh, when, they, when they release them, this year they were only able to get about 15,000 released, but that was kind of getting their training wheels off with this new species. And so they've got it figured out now, though, and hoping to get about 55,000 uh, this coming year.
0: And I don't mean to get hung up on flounder. But That's okay. <laughs> is, is the reason that that species has struggled, is it directly related to the number of people fishing for them?
2: Nobody really knows, to be honest. Yes, that is a factor, but flatfish uh, really around the world uh, have have seen a decline. You know, across the Gulf of Mexico, every state saw similar problems with with southern flounder. And sometimes they set themselves up to be really easy targets. They would be really easy to catch or or really easy to to gig. So pretty easily, sometimes you could make a dent in their population. Uh, but the in Alabama, last year, they implemented a, a season closure that, that runs the month of November, uh, which allows these fish to um, to not get caught while they're trying to make their run out into the Gulf so they can spawn. And so that was, last year was the first year they implemented that. And so coming up this coming weekend on November 1st, actually at the end of October, flounder will close for a month, and, and that'll allow them to you know migrate out into the gulf without being interfered with and give us our best shot at, at those natural fish to reproduce and hopefully get get some more fish back in, in into the population that's a good deal
0: captain wayne what you see down there yeah. with the flounder y'all still catching a, you, you, are you a flounder guy as well as a bass guy no i don't
1: catch flounder but you know one thing that um you know i, I wanted to ask real quick because uh, obviously, you know, they have to have some pretty sophisticated, you know, methods to try to determine, you know, those numbers over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But um, a very unscientific observation from the standpoint of what I see in the delta, and that's, you know, that's not down in the bay. That's really right. like the causeway north. Historically, I'm talking about five, six, you know, eight, ten years ago. I mean, you could just catch flounder in this delta just I mean it was crazy how many there were yeah. and we saw those numbers depleted down to basically nothing I mean, yeah. I don't ever go out and target flounder but the fact that I fish a lot of soft plastic on the bottom one of the baits that they love more than anything else is a watermelon chartreuse tail lizard I've caught more flounder <laughs> with that bait, but yeah man they love it But what I saw, I saw those numbers diminish down, like I say, well, within the last year and a half, man, I've seen a really big resurgence of the number of flounder that I'm catching. And that's good. I mean, I I don't ever Mm -hmm. keep them. But, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's really good to see those back now. You know, and like I say, it's very unscientific. But in my mind, it tells me that something has turned around.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. and, no, and, that, and that's... the
1: habitat is getting better, you know, mm-hmm. for those particular
2: fish. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, no, it it uh that's certainly part of it because uh you know, they they do have their their scientific, they call them their stock assessments where they use their formulas and sampling to 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 determine how many fish there are there and then they they worked off of how many they think should be in this section of water or, or in, in, in the state state waters. And so whenever they came with uh, that proposal, because they, they recognized that the flounder were in trouble, uh, and so they, they did focus groups and, and public meetings with commercial fishermen, recreational fishermen, and everybody was all already on board with pretty much whatever the state said was going to help everybody was like yeah just whatever because it didn't it didn't help we're not doing anything now so (laughs) um so 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 those guys probably saw that same unscientific thought process that you did as far as hey i used to catch them pretty good and then they're kind of okay and then now it's like a unicorn i I, I rarely stumble into one and so it uh so that that did factor into it because it was really uh they didn't get a whole lot of uh, pushback at all on on these you know regulations and we don't like regulations but sometimes they're good and and in this case it absolutely is good because the university of south alabama they acoustically tagged some of these flounder last year and they tracked when they were leaving the bay to head into the gulf and it was like clockwork almost right at 1st of November last year was when the fish that they had tagged up in the rivers and dog river, cow river, and then Bay were passing through uh, mobile, mm. the mouth of mobile bay to go out to the Gulf. And so it's, it's absolutely when we need to, they need to be able to make it out there to, to spawn, you know?
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I think something else that comes into play with it,
1: uh, you know, and obviously I know there were changes in the limit, uh, mm-hmm. For, you know, recreational anglers, the number of flounder they could keep. But um, yep. yeah, I, across the board, regardless of whether you're talking about flounder or any other species, I think it's really important for outdoorsmen to, you know, really promote the fact that even though we have an incredible resource with all these different species of fish, all of it is a depletable resource. And we yeah. really, I mean, it has to be managed. And, and that's where groups like you alls come into play. I know y'all do a tremendous job. And I know a lot of the saltwater guys that are affiliated with y'all. It's great to have organizations that are out there doing that. You know, and, and the benefits are for, for all of us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. It It's not our resource to fish away or to dwindle away. It's It belongs to the next generation. And so... That's a big part of why I pursued and, and accepted, you know, this position about six years ago to, to work full-time with CCA. Uh, before that, I volunteered when I graduated college. But um, that very thing right there of of working to make sure that, that we're taking care of this and, and nobody today is going to make decisions that is going to keep that next generation from being able to enjoy it like we have. You know, it may sound a little
1: corny, but, I mean, it, it's really – Uh, it makes me feel good because I would love to think that my son, my grandson and granddaughters and, you know, all of them can experience, you know, catching a big flounder. I mean, it's it's incredible, man. So, you know, it's really important. I mean, uh, people think, uh, you know, a lot of organizations are out there just trying to raise money, but uh, you know, there's, Typically there there's a real tie in to conservation and uh mm-hmm. for the greater good for everybody.
2: Yeah. The, most definitely. And uh, you know, we every every dollar we raise, it stays here uh within the state for our local chapters and state, you know, board members and, and myself to to figure out how to best use those funds. And so, you know, outside of the, the membership fee, the thirty five dollars per year. That goes to our national office and covers, you know, gosh, half of it's the magazine and, you know, yeah. another little bit gets split up here and there. But every dollar we raise from our fundraisers or every donation we receive or every, um, you know, auction item, even down to the uh, the uh, saltwater license plate free vehicles that 42 dollars out of that 50 comes straight here it doesn't leave the state and we use it every bit of it to do conservation projects here within the state
0: yeah that's awesome i mean love what you guys are doing and one thing we all know is that whether we're talking about fish whether it's salt water um, and we can look at what happened with the redfish, all the reds and mm-hmm. down there and or whether you're talking about bass fishing we look at some of the fisheries that we have with bass fishing here in the state of alabama right now and I'd venture to say, because of conservation and because of rules that are put in place and and catch and release, mm-hmm. uh, the way that the fishing may be better now than it's ever been. I, and Captain Wayne, you, you you can probably comment on that better than I can, but it makes a difference. I, I know with deer hunting, I mean, same same holds true there. I mean, the deer hunting around the state is. It's as good as it's been in a long time, and a lot of that is due to do with the conservation effort. So we we definitely know that it works. So I love what you guys are doing. What are some of the other projects right now that you guys are are working on? Affiliated? What's coming up?
2: We've been uh, doing some some research, supporting some research efforts with uh, the University of South Alabama uh, on some tarpon uh, some tarpon tagging. Uh, we did some cobia cobia tagging uh as well for some, some some satellite gps tagging that trying to get some better information on where those those cobia how they move up and down along the coast Been pretty tricky actually because <laughs> they don't always cooperate and uh you know whenever we can get back in in person we're, we're going to start you know getting back out helping kids fishing events and getting fishing rods and reels and tackle out uh back to the kids because that's that was something that uh, we actually—I uh, was at the conservation advisory board meeting a couple of years ago, um, talking about maybe red snapper or something along those lines. And I just, while I had my minute at the microphone, offered to anybody in the room if they knew of any youth, you know, youth that needed some fishing equipment or tournaments or kids' days or camps or whatever. To, I said, when the meeting's over, y'all come see me. And it—it it wasn't 12 seconds after the meeting adjourned that I had a a couple of the freshwater fishery uh, guys and the game wardens came up to me and said, Hey, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And so we've been, uh, we're, we're happy to support, you know, youth, youth angling all across the state. Doesn't matter if it's saltwater or not, but um, that's that's been uh, some of those other projects.
0: I was reading about your organization uh, before the call and, And looking at some of the stuff you guys were doing, and that's one of the things that really impressed me and stuck out is, you know, not only are y'all involved in conservation projects, but you're involved in in support, getting Mm -hmm. your dues for fishing. And look, I mean, that's – I got seven kids. And let me tell you, it's a challenge. It's more of a challenge now than it's ever been to get kids outdoors. We have so many distractions Hey, look, when I grew yeah. up in South Alabama, you, you didn't have no options of what you was going to do. There wasn't a lot of <laughs> – you, you, you get your rod and reel and you go fishing or you're playing sports, and that was about it. Uh, there wasn't yeah. a lot else to fill your time. It's not like that today, and, and there's so many kids that are in, you know, in a position whether it's single parents and they don't have – the person in their life to maybe introduce them to fishing Um, yeah and so i love what you guys are doing on that Uh, introduce introduce kids to the sport
2: yeah yeah for sure it's 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 fun it's a lot of fun i definitely wanted to uh let everybody uh you know know about our silent auction we've got coming up we kind of teed everybody up for this one with everything we do and and, uh, you know, our fundraising is, is what allows us to, to do that. Um, we weren't able to have any of our in-person, uh, chapter events, uh, you know, this year because of uh, the COVID, but we're looking forward to meeting in person again next year. But, um, until then, I've got a whole lot of, uh, merchandise and rods and reels and hats and coolers and, oh gosh, knives and nets and you name it, uh, that, that, that we're going to be, uh, Selling in our uh, statewide online silent auction that's going to start on November twenty ninth, Thursday.
0: Yeah, and I'm. You sent me your flyer, and I've got that pulled up right now. So that's a uh, fall conservation auction. It's got the information on there, and we'll post this on our podcast as well. But it looks like it's okay. on the 29th at ten a.m.
2: and it goes till Sunday uh, the first. Yep.
0: Now, how will this be yep. like a a silent auction, to where everybody has that amount, you know, from the twenty ninth, you know, through the first, I guess, three days, uh, three or four days mm-hmm. to um, to bid, and then after the bid yep. closes, then you you see who who won what, right?
2: That's right. We're gonna ship everything to for for free this go around. Um, We've got you know a lot of good stuff that I think you know will be desirable whether you're saltwater or freshwater and then uh, as far as the auction format you know essentially it's like there's going to be the auction items that are be like ebay style format where you can bid one by one or you can uh, set your max bid and it'll 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 keep you at that you know high bid point until somebody outbids you and then there'll also be some some buy it now instant purchase um, items that that you can purchase right away um and those those are going to be kind of a a a hodgepodge some of them are going to be items that i have lots of multiples of but some of them are going to be afco shirts that i've got just like a small and a a large in it or this or that and so those shirts i'm going to be selling them super super cheap just to get them get them out and uh get them on on the way so be lots of uh Lots of really good deals. We're going to release new items each day on those Buy It Now um, buy it now items. That's awesome. What other
0: kind of – so you're yeah. raising most of the money um, mm-hmm. for your association through events. Obviously, in-person events that have been limited. Hopefully, those are going to open back up for you soon. Uh, mm-hmm. you yes. online, and then it sounds like you all have mm-hmm. ways through car tags and things like that.
2: Good. Yep. Yep. But we've got a ton. I've got a ton of uh, t- TFO uh, rods. Uh, some, a lot of Shimano reels. Leopold binoculars. I've got like four TFO bait casting rods with that'll be combos with some Abu Garcia uh, reel, a lose reel, and a couple other ones. A lot of neat stuff. From this company called Toadfish Outfitters. If y'all have seen them or not, they have that little uh, drink can koozie thing that that's got the suction cup on the bottom that sticks sideways on the mirror or on the kind of gives you an extra cup holder where you don't have one. We've got some really cool stuff from them. Lots of fly fishing, tackle, rods and reels, stripping baskets, wade staffs, you name it. We're going to have a lot of good stuff, and I think it it is definitely going to be worth a while to take a look at. promise everybody that.
0: Heck, yeah, man. I'm looking forward to getting on myself. Those those Leopold's may be uh, be something I'm interested in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I figured so.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, man. Well man, there again, thank you first of all. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what your your organization is doing. I know Captain Wayne will probably echo that being being the guy that's that's down there on the coast to sell.
1: Definitely. Uh you know, I mean uh that's an organization that is very well respected here and I'm sure all over the state. But uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of positive feedback. Uh, from here and you know the, the people the that are associated with it are you know are there for the right reasons and uh typically when you have that scenario it yeah you know, there's a lot of good that'll come out of it. Yeah. Appreciate those kind words.
0: Blakely man, we appreciate you taking the time to be on here today yeah. to talk about what you guys are doing and fill in some listeners throughout the state. And I hope you guys heard that they're making an impact all over the state of Alabama it's not just a coastal thing so if you're in Gunnersville, or you know Birmingham or I mean you may come down and take some trips to the Gulf fishing and, and you can have the benefit of that there but they're also doing stuff locally and have local chapters that I would urge y'all to look into and get involved in especially with
2: getting these kids out fishing so Uh, Blakely before I before I jump off I just I forgot I've got 10 um inshore fishing charters uh, from different captains that'll also be in that auction and so some of the best ones in the in the area and including one of them is going to be a uh, surf fishing uh guided trip for up to four people guys listening families and ladies out there might might need some Christmas present ideas or wanted to uh go ahead and get a trip booked for their vacation next summer and uh We've got a lot of a uh, lot of different guided options for people to choose from. So just want to throw that last little bit in there and appreciate y'all having me on today.
0: Absolutely, man. And 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 we look forward to having you again on sometime at the future. And like I said, good luck in the uh in the upcoming auction. Guys, y'all don't forget Thank to get you. on and check it out. Uh like I said, I'll post a flyer for that on our show notes. And uh man, appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you, you again, bet. You, brother. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Captain Wayne, that sounds like a good deal. You know, and 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 you're more familiar probably with that organization than I am up here in Birmingham area. Sounds like you're very familiar with them and know that these guys are doing a lot of good work.
1: Oh man, they do. They uh, they really work hard. And uh, man, that um, that auction should be. Uh, I'm sure they got a lot of good equipment. Uh, I, I'm gonna be checking it out myself. <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. Love being able to hear. Uh, From time to time, having things on our show like that, you know, we're predominantly a a fishing report show, but I think it's great to have guests like that on from time to time to let people know uh, about different organizations throughout the state, different things that are going on that really benefits us all, all the people that love the outdoors. So great segment. And uh, hey, let's go. Speaking of segments, let's go to the next segment, and let's get back on this freshwater fishing thing to close the show out with Tony Adams in Fall. Tony, what's going on, my friend? Good afternoon. Doing great. How are, how are y'all doing? And we're doing good. I got Captain Wayne Miller out of uh, Mobile co-hosting with me today. Uh, good to hear. Doing good, Tony. Good to hear from you.
3: Now, yes, sir. Good to hear from you. Now, y'all Tony. getting ready for this storm? <laughs>
0: I told him the uh, when I got him on here, I-, I told him you were gonna be going on, coming on and joining us. And I said, man, if, uh, I, I kind of pumped you up as being, being the crappie man and the king. So I mean, let's hear what they're doing out there, man. I know you still. Lo- I saw pictures. You gotta quit teasing me like that. Those are unbelievable pictures. <laughs>
3: Well, thank you, sir. They're, the crappies is really on fire right now on Lake Eufaula. You know, the little cooler days, cooler nights. You know, the water level is still down due to doing some work at the dam. You know, like I say, you just have to be careful out there and make sure that you're running the channels. You know, the crappies, you can catch them anywhere from 8-foot waters to 20-foot waters. On overcast mornings, you know, overcast days, they're scattered around the structure. They may not be right in the structure. You may catch them 20, 30 feet away from the structure. The more light there is, the more sunshine. The, the tighter they get to that structure. Good on minnows, jigs. We use many different people's jigs, but you know, with the clear water, we use our clear jigs right now. Usually, I like my orange, pink head. And minnows. You know, like to say we're fishing them. You know, eight to 16 foot deep, and you know, the skipper jig right now. You know, the ice jigs is still. Still pretty hot, too, dropping it down in the structure and just, you know, lightly pulling it up, letting it fall.
0: Right. Well, it looked like, and and it may have just been the picture, you sent me a lot of pictures over the last several weeks, and, and I'm always amazed at what you guys seem to be catching every time you go out, just the numbers. But the size of that last group of pictures you sent me, the size of some of those, man, it looks like they've gotten bigger.
3: Yeah, I, I think the size is is getting larger. We're catching a lot of pound and a half to two and a half pounders. <clears throat> when I first started fishing Lake Fall, a good average size fish, the most the, what you caught mostly was three quarter of a pound to a pound and a quarter fish is a good average size fish. Now the the sizes has has really you know started to increase, and I think a lot more people started fishing for them. Lake Fall is just so overpopulated with crappie that People didn't think that you could catch crappie unless there was spawning. February, March, you know, April, and most everybody quit fishing. But now I think there's a lot more people that started fishing through the summer. And I think taking some of those out of the lake has started helping with the size, you know, and the weight of the fish that we're catching.
0: Well, that's just what I was going to ask you, and you answered it before I had a chance. But what do you – is that what you attribute – the, the size difference in what you caught several years ago and, and and two and a half pounders you're catching now
3: i do you know years ago i was out there and they was you know they were shocking the lake and the guys was over there shocking it and you know i pulled over there where they was, was at and kind of watched them and and we got to talking you know they was talking about how these brush piles they pull up and they shock them and i reckon they have to you know count how many you know they figure up how the you know, acreage or whatever y'all probably know more about that than i do but The guy that was doing it told me, he said, Tony, he said, until people start catching the fish on Lake Eufaula and they start keeping them and a lot more people start fishing for them, Lake Eufaula is never going to have those big crappy like you see in other lakes. So I really think that with more people fishing for them, it's helping us get to a better quality fish on Lake Eufaula.
0: Well, you single-handedly putting a dent in the dang population, I can tell
2: you. That. <laughs> well, you know,
1: Tony, uh, Tony, it, it, uh, and I, I get a chance to come up there and fish some, and I always enjoy it. Of course, obviously I'm typically targeting the bass. It, it's a, uh, really a, a neat observation you make about those, you know, the size increasing. I know a good friend of mine, uh that I actually went to college with is a fisheries biologist over in Texas. And he was telling me, he manages, has a company, he manages a lot of lakes for people. And uh, he was telling me that it's, you know, when you start talking about panfish, brim and white perch, crappie, that it's actually hard actually to overfish them. And uh, he said, you know, uh, you actually do a lot of good, you know, really harvesting numbers Because over time, you'll see that quality just bump right up. You know, you'll really start seeing a lot bigger fish. And uh, I know when I I happen over there, I, I don't get over there very often. But, you know, occasionally it's not uncommon when I'm on a crankbait pattern over there. Man, I catch some of the biggest white perch I've ever seen in my life on crankbaits over there. And that is really fun.
3: You know, I've had several bass fishermen telling the same thing, even on you know ledge busters or spinner baits, you know, coming off those ledges, they catch some of the nicest crappie you know they've ever seen come out of the lake. And, yeah. and like I said, there's no doubt we've got some big ones out there, but I, I just think it's what you know been overpopulated for so long because there's sh- such a short window. Even my granddad, I remember fishing with him when I was little. You know, when we'd come to You Fall, we'd not fish, and we had to do it in February, March, or April. That's the only time they'd be it. Well, you know, we yeah. all know better than that, but I reckon that's right. the last time people really knew how, or maybe the electronics wasn't out there to really see where they were yeah. at at the time. But, I mean, I remember fishing with him. Back then, the limit was 50, you know, and, and yeah. we'd, we'd have a ball.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's amazing to me is, and I've observed this over the last maybe 10 years, there's really just been an explosion technology within the crappie fishing. And, you know, actually now, you know, I mean, uh, a lot more companies are, you know, making specialized boats and equipment just for crappie. And uh, you're starting to see that reflected out on the water. I mean, I'm, I'm on the water five, six days a week. And even down here, I see a lot more people that have boats that are set up. You know, it's not a a general purpose boat. It's not a bass boat, it's a crappie boat. And uh, so I think the technology, people have really, you know, clued in on that. And and I'm sure, I'm sure for somebody that's as good at it as you are, uh, you know, you've had to really optimize every bit of technology available uh, to really, you know, to be that good at it.
3: Well, yes, yeah, sir. It's it's came a long ways. And like I say, you know, the boats, the trolling, the pulling, the structure fishing, the jigging, you know, like I say, when I first started, I mean, I had to learn a lot of that on my own because there really wasn't anybody in follow that was doing it. So, I mean, it was a lot of trial and error. And then that technology came and, you know, you figured out the routines and then, you know, going, you know, two or three days a week, it's always what they're doing next, you know, and you've got to kind of, kind of be where they're going instead of going once or twice a year, trying to figure right. out what the patterns are.
0: And you brought up a good point, Captain Wayne, and when I, you know, I grew up fishing with my dad, just north of you there and and around the Mount Vernon area and some of them old oxbow lakes and swamps off the river, and uh, you pull up to a top that you can vis- visually see a tree that's falling off, and, and you fish a jig. And then you go to the next tree and you fish it, fish the same way and the same thing, but we do that a certain time of the year, and then we throw cross. Uh, yeah, and you know there was no electronics involved, you know. And, and and Tony, you've you've been you're so educational on here, and and your knowledge is 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 amazing uh, with, with catching these. And my dad listens to the podcast, and I think I've told you he's a, He's a tropic fisherman up in north Louisiana, and uh he is now in the market for some for some good electronics he had he had electronics on his boat, but you couldn't even see a fish on it i mean it was about as probably bottom line as you can get and uh so he ended up not using it i mean he 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 couldn't see what he needed to see so they were no good to him. So he's in the market and and looking for one now, but you know, the the electronics has changed the game Uh, and I'm sure that you, you know, starting this before the electronics and then being where you are now, you probably can't even imagine going back because it's such a valuable tool. Even with stuff you said a while ago, that these fish, when you're finding structure, fish are sometimes 20, 30 yards, feet away from, actually you're not catching them right over the structure all the time they they move out from there i don't know that everybody realized that they did that i know in talking to my dad even he's like you know we normally fish right on top of the structure that we know is there and we don't really think about going way around it you know because you just assume and you're you you can not see them because you don't have electric electronics so you assume that they're right on top of it
3: you know usually like i say on a sun, good sunlight day you know and the sun's really shining hard they'll be right there in the structure but on an overcast morning overcast afternoon it's kind of cloudy the sun's not really bright i mean they could be 20 30 feet at either side of that structure and i catch just as many off the structure as i do on you know i mean at least on an overcast day i probably catch more away from the structure they're just getting getting away you know i'm sure they're looking for or you know something to eat and the light kind of plays a big role in their eyes so you know they're able to, to stir, stir out a little bit further
0: right well I know that on the last episode that you were on we talked and me and you have talked since then off the podcast uh about I know you put a lot of structure out yourself and uh, build a lot of crappie beds and you've got several really great ways that you do that and I appreciate you sharing some of the pictures you shared with me, and I shared it with my father. And One of the, he's wanting to do that in his lake. But one of his concerns, and man, it's a crit. When the crappie are biting there, I mean, this lake, for some reason, North Louisiana, these people up there crappie fish. I mean, they crappie fish in that area. And uh, so the lake is covered up with people, and he's like, Brian, you know, if I go and I put a bunch of this structure out, and I get over it, and I'm catching fish, Everybody's gonna see me fishing, and they're gonna come over there and find that structure with their electronics, and I, and I ain't gonna have a secret anymore. They're gonna fish it out. Do you strategically try to? Put, you're on a much bigger body of water to start with, so you're fishing more. Or more spread, but is that something that enters your mind, or are you more like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, it's gonna hold fish out? I mean, where's your thought process on that, or do you go? As far as having people in the well, in
3: your bed. yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure it happens. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I find some other people's hoes. People find my hoes after you drop them in the lake, they're not yours anymore. You can say they're yours, but yeah, you know, I have been by some that I put out and somebody's fishing on it. I mean, there's nothing they can do. I mean, you know, when it when it goes in that water, then whoever fishes it, fishes it. Lake, you follow. A lot of the stuff I like to find is fingers, or it could be humps. There's a lot more bass fishermen on Lakey Fall than there are crappie fishermen. So you know, if they fished every one of my holes, it wouldn't matter. You know, a bass fisherman. And really, if a crappie fisherman fishes it, you know, really, I mean, it matters, but it don't matter. I mean, because it's it's there for whoever wants to fish it. You know, I've seen people get really upset for you know somebody fishing on their on their spot, but yeah I'm not like that. you know so fish fishes that you know i I probably have you know twenty four hundred g p s coordinates on my unit, so I just go to the next one. Most every structure that I come across has got fish on it, whether or not they're biting fish or not, maybe a little different story, but you know there's a lot of people that I've seen put out structure that I know probably doesn't have the electronics that I have that could be beside a a buoy marker it could be beside a buoy pole and i see them put it out but you know i respect them enough that i know that they don't have electronics so i'm not going to go back and fish their place you know if i run across something and it looks good then yes you know i'll mark it and i may fish it because there is a lot of natural stuff that's you know out there a lot of the places i put structure is natural you know i'll just add to the you know it could be a, a stump you know i may put three buckets of bamboo behind, beside it or or wolves, or crepe myrtles, you know, I'll put some right there beside it just to kind of make the pile a little bigger. But as far as hiding it with these electronics, you're not gonna hide it. And like I say, if you've got a lake that's got a lot of crappy fishermen, they're gonna find it. Bass fishermen is gonna find it, but usually a bass fisherman ain't gonna interfere with you know what a crappy fisherman's fishing for anyways. That's right. That's right. You know bass is gonna pull up, throw six or eight times and you know go on to the next spot but you know like I say we don't get I reckon the lake's just so big here that people just really don't hound and beat your spots up you know the few that you know they run across and find it's more so the bass fishermen
0: one thing that he was saying is that it seems like in this lake and it's a large lake but the crappie fishermen concentrate in one area of the lake and he says so there'll be times you're fishing where you could really literally reach out with your pole and touch the boat that's beside you. Like people put, wow. I mean, it's just like, he said there'll be 50 bucks in this one mm. small area of the lake. And, you know, my response to that was go to another part of the lake. If that's where all the crappie fishing think they got to go catch crappie, I know there's crappie in other parts of that lake besides right there. Maybe they just don't have the structure, the fish, uh-huh. that they do in that particular area. And maybe that's why people concentrate on it is because it does have structure. So in my mind, I would be like, you know, go the other end of the lake and uh, and start putting some structure out there.
3: Well, believe it or not, you know, here on Lake Euphala, I've done the same thing about three years ago. Everybody fished on the Georgia or pretty much on the Georgia side out from Barber Creek. And nobody fished on the Alabama side out in the mouth of Barber Creek. And I thought, thought, well, you know, this is strange. You know, why are they doing that? Which I knew there was a lot more structure on the Georgia side, you know, due to, you know, timber from, you know, when they backed the lake up. But So I found me a little finger right out from Hummingbird, which is on the Alabama side next to Barber Creek. And I started loading it up. And you would be amazed how many crappie that I've caught off that spot and nobody's never really fished you know in that little area i mean it's just unreal it's just you know making a make, making structure you know for fish to come to and somewhere's held bait because you know those shads just gonna run you know the river up and down and then the creeks you know it don't matter if there's structure on it or not but i mean it has paid off in the last three years it's just been unreal and it's completely away from everybody else that usually throws for crappy or even the bass fishermen, you know, they this is a spot they've hardly ever hit.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Tony,
3: listening to you describe this,
1: you know, it's amazing because a lot of people don't realize this, but fishing's not about specific targets. For somebody to be successful on a fishery, you know, it's important for them to be able to put those pieces of the puzzle together. On different type conditions like you were talking about sunny days cloudy days and that's where a lot of value comes in to somebody going with somebody like you i mean uh booking a trip uh it's it's a lot more than just going out and catching fish one day you know if you really approach it as an educational experience people can get a lot more out of it and uh talking about different pieces of structure and people the bass guys call it you know somebody punched a number on me but if all you're doing is just running around trying to punch numbers on people you're not really learning how to fish and um you know it's real important and I'm amazed at the number of calls I get down here people that are wanting to go on crappie trips of course you know I'm I'm strictly bass but um you know there's there's a lot of I what I tend to think, uh, there's a lot more people that are starting to get into crappie fishing now than even what there used to be maybe 10, 15 years ago.
3: I agree. I have a lot of phone calls and a lot of them's grandmothers or mothers or, you know, it could be grandparents or, you know, dads that wants to show their grandkids or their kids how their granddad showed them how to crappie fish. And it's, it's really fun. I mean, it's, you're going out, you're catching fish, you're putting a smile on their face, yeah. the face, and kids are really just enjoying it. Because yeah. kids these days just don't have the opportunities to go hunting and fishing like probably when we was growing up. We didn't have nothing else to do. We didn't have you know, <laughs> cell phones and Which, you know, yeah. games. The last and,
0: segment. you sure did exactly what we just said.
3: You know, same way on a windy day. I mean, usually when I do a trip, I always say, hey, let's look at it two days before and I'll tell you which landing we're going to go to. Because if the wind's blowing out of the east, you know, I'm going to go to the side that the wind's blowing from so the wind's not beating you to death. You know, right. if it's blowing out of the south and, you know, or north or east or west, then I'll make a decision two days before which boat landing's the best for us to go so that whoever's going with you is, you know, it's a lot more comfortable instead of just sitting there taking those wakes. I'll, all day you know getting beat up plus you know sometimes the crappy don't want to want a jig or a minnow that's up and down two foot all day long you know they want it you know sometimes they want it still and they'll come up there and just stick up and you know attack it but yeah but you know, that ha- has a lot to do with it
0: you know the service that you guys both provide is i know that some people <laughs> probably view it as just an experience we're going to go we're going to smile, we're going to catch fish, we're going to have this quality time and make some memories with whoever's with us, whether it's our kid or wife or mom or dad, whatever it may be. And that's great. I think that if people are not, you know, there's another segment of people that I think, if they're not using that as an educational experience, then they're missing it. Because I I, I relate this back to baseball. I have kids fixing to go to batting cages in a minute with two of them. But I have parents that talk to me about their kids here. They're pitching and they go out and there's a coach from the the local rec team that's really somebody's dad that's just volunteering their time. And, man, I'll applaud those guys because anytime you're giving your time to do something for these kids, I'm going to applaud that. The problem is they don't know what they're doing. And so what – Could be a pleasurable experience maybe they don't have maybe they're not seeing the improvement they're not gaining anything from that time that they're on that field or that they're at that practice with that particular coach and the kid ends up not enjoying the sport maybe moving on to something else that he can and not pursuing it where if you'll take the time to go to and when I do lessons I want the parents there. Maybe some guys don't, but I think you guys are probably this way when you're fishing. I think you're willing to educate these people. You know, when I take somebody to the batting cage, I've got a few minutes. i got one day or a couple days, and I'm going to be with that kid. Well, I'm not going to be with him every day from that point, but his daddy is. And so I'm going to yeah. educate dad. I'm going to educate dad on dad. This is what I want you looking for. This is what I want you yeah. to do this happens. If you see this, this is... I want to educate the man because he's every day. What you guys are providing is the same thing. You're providing an opportunity for somebody who is not really good at it to learn and learn in a successful environment where they see the they see the benefit and and they're they see success and they want to keep doing it because they're seeing it and it just man it makes your learning curve a whole lot faster if you go like kids that come to me for, for hitting practice or fishing practice they're going to get results they're going to see results quickly if somebody books a trip with you guys they're going to see results quickly uh, yeah i hope the guys I hope our listeners that do book trips with these guys i hope y'all do approach it as a educational experience um so that you can go back out and, and do this on your own uh and pass it on to the next generation as well it's good stuff, guys. Well, hey, uh, man, we we appreciate it, Tony. I love having you on here. And uh, I'm gonna get down to Tupala and go fishing. you and Captain Wayne, well, I want to experience that Mobile Delta a little bit. And, uh, hey, Tony, I had a I had a question for you, real
1: quick. From the standpoint of the really exceptional you know, crappie fishing that y'all have right now, how long do you anticipate going into the fall transition into winter? Will that hold up uh, on end of
3: even November and December? Yes, sir. In pretty much most cases we. will. The reason why, usually we just don't have a whole lot of cold weather. Yeah. And you fall up, you know, on the lake you fall up. Now, if that temperature really starts falling, then the crappier they'll, they'll start going into deeper water and, you know, they'll, You'll still catch them. The bites a little slower. You have got to make sure that you know you can keep that bait in front of their in front of their face. But uh, what about every four years? We really have a winter that really affects them a whole lot. And there's you know the prediction. Last prediction I saw was going to be a lot drier, a lot warmer winter, you know than than average. So with that being said, we'll go through winter with good numbers. You know, good catches. Uh, you know, it's just kind of, you know, hit and miss based on, you know, the wind gets really strong, but you know, and how, yeah. how cold it gets and how much it warms up through the day, but really that don't have a whole lot of effect. So I reckon the biggest thing here on Lake follow with the crappy is, is the mud. You get a lot of rain, a lot of mud in the lake. Crappy can't really see the bait and the mud has more effects on, on the kind of fish I do than anything else because of, hmm they just can't see the bait but hot yeah. cold middle of the summer july august you know usually i'm on fire just like i am any other time of the year when mud comes in that's what really makes it tougher here will make you fall to catch fish is the, is the muddy yeah. water
1: you book trips right on through uh, november and december right
3: <clears throat> i do december usually i take january off and the reason i take january off is because I need about a month to work on my structures, go back out and make sure they're still there, you know, refresh them, do you know, anything that I needed to do to get ready for the following year. And I usually do it in January because you're usually going through the holiday seasons. A lot of people still deer hunting and doing, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So right. I try to use January as a month to get ready for the upcoming year.
1: Well, man, I'm I'm gonna give you a call. I, I'm gonna try to get I'm gonna try to get over there maybe in November and and get a day with. I'd love to come come get in on some of that. It's something I don't get a chance to do, and I think
0: I would really enjoy it.
3: Yes, sir. Just give me a holler, and we'll sure sure he's off and go.
0: I will send you. I will forward the pictures to you that he sent me a while ago, and you'll be. You'll be <laughs> I guarantee
2: you, you'll be. <laughs> <working>. <laughs>
0: It was uh, it's pretty impressive stuff, to say the least.
3: Yeah, and I think those, those pictures I sent you a little earlier was was all this past week, too. You know, I mean, it wasn't like they have been being held. So, I mean, it's it's pretty consistent. You know, the days are pretty consistent, you know, just going out there, you know, hitting, hitting those trash piles and those structures and, you know, finding them and going after them.
0: Yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, y'all, you got a heck of a fishery down there and you obviously do a good job. And if, if somebody, if somebody is listening and wants to, to book a, a trip with you, and I know you booked out pretty good ways, it sounds like, but, um uh, man, what do they need to do to contact you and, and book a trip?
3: Tony Adams, 334-695-3003. Facebook page is Tony Adams. And like I say, they're welcome to call me anytime, send me a text, all uh, that number again is 334-695-3003 3003 guys
0: y'all give tony a call man go down there learn what this guy's doing and i'm telling you you're gonna be learning from the best when it comes to crappie fishing so go down there and uh spend a day on the water with him and you won't regret it and you're gonna catch a lot of fish on top of that so tony man we appreciate it thank you again uh, love when you're on here and appreciate you giving us your time and look forward to having you next time brother
3: all right, I sure appreciate it, and I appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity to come on.
0: Absolutely, man. Talk to you soon.
3: Okay, thanks. Enjoy sir. Enjoyed it, Tony. <laughs> yes, sir. You too. Thank you,
0: Captain Wayne. Did you get the? uh you get those pictures I sent you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I just got them. <laughs> man, I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna book. A, I'm gonna book a trip. And go there to take my son. Man, he would love that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm telling you, those pictures that you're seeing right there—that—that that is. Uh... I'm not exaggerating. That's every day. That's man. because every day on that lake, um, mm,
1: mm, mm. and yeah.
0: uh, and and it doesn't usually take them very long to do it. And uh, he has got this. He's got this crappie thing down on Lake Eufaula, and and obviously they got the fish. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's oh yeah. Thing. But yeah, man, I I'm gonna get down there myself and and do a trip with him as soon as I can. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for being on here today. Oh
1: yeah. Well, I don't, I don't feel like I contributed much, but
0: dude, I, dude. I tried not to stumble too much. Man, you did a great so. job. I, I, I appreciate you giving your time to to be a part of it, and be a part of the show, and and uh, man, you did a did a great job co hosting today, and and man, look forward yeah. to having yeah. you do
1: it again. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll be glad to do it anytime I can. I enjoyed talking to him, man. I, I just, and and really, I'll be honest with you, man. If if I had a boat rigged to do crappie fishing with, I could book so many crappie trips down here, it'd be crazy. I've actually tried to convince my son to get his captain's license, quit the railroad, and go into full-time guiding both bass, redfish, and white perch. He could do it and easily make 75 to a hundred thousand a year down here
0: well you guys i mean y'all got a great crappie white perch fishery there as well
1: yeah oh yeah but you know i didn't want to say it on on the show but
0: you're still on the show (laughs) you know
1: (laughs) you know but i i would love to have the opportunity to book some of those trips but I'm not going to take somebody out there and do something that I'm not proficient at. Right. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. Right. You know? And uh, so, you know, whenever I have these people call me, I just and there's no, there's nobody down here doing that, you know, no licensed guide down here that are working that. So, you know, I just have to tell people, you know, no, thank you. But you know, it, it really is a tremendous opportunity down here for, Because, like I say, that has really exploded over the last five, six years. uh, The number of people that are really starting to just target
0: crappie. Right. Well, there's a there's you're right. There's an opportunity down there for somebody to uh, to start guiding some trips in the Mobile Belt to catching crappie.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: Uh, it sounds like you're having these these calls like that. So, sounds like an opportunity right there. Well get a trip with Tony, man. He is, uh, and he's one of these guys too. You can call him anytime and he's a wealth. He's a resource, man. And he is what I gather just from all the calls we've had. Uh, he is a very unselfish man, uh, as well and and wants everybody to go out and be successful. So definitely look him up, man. Uh, like it, like I said earlier, I I greatly appreciate you being on and guys, we gave his contact information earlier in the show, uh, so I hope y'all got that, but man, get down there now is a great time of the year to call Captain Wayne Miller and go catch a lot of fish. And 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 the fun thing that you've got, we don't have anywhere else in the state. It, the mixed bag, I mean, and that's a lot of yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. To not know exactly what you're gonna catch all the time is an adventure <laughs> that we don't get in the rest of the uh, rest of the state. So. I urge you guys to call Captain Wayne and and get down there and do a trip with him as well. We really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. And folks, that is going to be a wrap on this week's show. Please subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, we'd love to do it. Just text the word fishing to 646-495-9867. Text 646-495 four nine five nine eight six seven to subscribe to our email list and we will email you the show each and every week Captain wayne thank you man look forward to talking to you again soon and we will uh, look forward to bringing y'all the alabama freshwater podcast each and every week talk to y'all then This week's Alabama freshwater fishing report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com and also brought to you by southeastern pond management if you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape call southeastern pond management you can call norman latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up southeasternpondmanagement.com and and give norman a call and brought to you by you do outdoors check out you do outdoors on your app store google play it's a social media app for whatever you you do outdoors this episode was brought to you by brian sand with national land realty you already trust me with your fishing report so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well just give me a call at 601-383-2344